Hello and welcome to the ET PhD team podcast, the podcast here to help you with your relationship with food and body by giving you evidence-based techniques to support yourself with a sprinkling of feminism, a dash of dismantling diet culture and a side of vulnerability as we share our own messy lives with you. I'm Emilia, a registered nutritionist and PhD with the sole purpose of making your life happier and healthier. If you love it, please do go wild and share it. And if you're ready for support with our coaching, details are in the show notes. Hello and welcome to episode number 262 of the ETPHD team podcast with myself and Katie. Hi Katie, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I am swell, thank you. So today's podcast, we're talking specifically about neurosomatics because... Well, because you are exceptional and you joined the team. How long ago did you join ETPHD now? We're in October. A couple of months? Uh, August. Yeah, the start of August. Two months. Yeah. Time goes so fast. It's actually wild. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and to be honest, when we first started chatting and you told me all the things that you did, I was I was just in awe. And as you know, and I wanted you to join the team straight away. And you have developed in the last couple of months a really really clear neurosomatics um what's the word I'm looking for pillar to ETPHD coaching which has we went through a session of it as a team last month and team last week in team training and it was just exceptional as I shared with you afterwards and it's so funny because I obviously know what you do and I know you and I love what you do and I love you and then when you actually go through it yourself it's like oh my god I didn't think I could think that was any better and yet here we are um which, so that was fabulous so really we're doing we're, we're discussing your coaching process today what neurosomatics is I think a lot of coaches in the fitness industry especially at the moment are kind of talking starting to talk about somatic work but nobody is really going into it in too much detail and I think that's partly because a lot of us are not super educated in it so we'll talk a bit about neurosomatics in general and then specifically what your process is look like um, and then at the end of the podcast there is you're going to run well I guess me but everyone who's listened to the podcast um th- mm-hmm. us through an exercise that people can kind of basically put in their pocket and take away with them and use whenever they want and that's kind of just one example of all of the incredible work that you do so I'm just going to start firing questions at you if that's okay um okay. do you want Thank to you. <laughs> give us a brief background about who you are and kind of how you came into the neurosomatic space Mm-hmm. yeah okay thank you so much for that introduction I am blushing um, my ego is, <laughs> is uh, being fed right now so thank you I really appreciate that um okay who am I the the we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier and I think rather than going down the route of just explaining my whole story and my credentials which like people can if they look on the ETPHD website they can find my little blurb there But two things I think that are really important that people know about me is the first one is I spent my early childhood living as an expat in the Middle East, in Saudi Arabia. I went to an international school. My um, dad worked over there. And I think that's really informed like how I view the world in that like those really early years being exposed to so many different cultures, so many different backgrounds. And so, yeah, that's really informed my worldview. The other thing is then when I was about eight years old, we moved to Ireland and I grew up in my sport was sailing. And we live in this like little harbour town and lived there for until I was 18, until I went away to university. And 
yeah, I just really fell in love with the, the Atlantic Ocean specifically. And I think that really taught me how small we are, how insignificant we are, like that sort of being in awe of nature, especially the Atlantic Ocean, especially in the winter when it's cold and stormy and miserable. Um, so those are two really important things of, of who I am and how I how I come into the world. This and, and that informs my practice as a coach, this appreciating our differences and appreciating our insignificance as well. And that, that led me then to be interested in like psychology and the human mind. And I went on and studied neuroscience and I stayed in academics for quite a long time. My PhD was focused on people's lived experiences. And then I kind of, I slowly shifted out of the academic space. I went on my own little journey of, of exploration and of doing yoga teacher training and um, qualifying as a coach I found the world of somatics and I just felt like this is where I'm at home like this is where this is that like missing piece that I've been searching for and so yeah I've just wanted to share that with people now yeah and I'm very glad that our paths crossed um whenever they did and it's so I find it so interesting as someone who also obviously has a quite an academic background to hear when people you know move not moving out of the academic space you're very much you still also have such an academic mind and you're extremely evidence-based but I love to see people breaking the mold of okay I have my undergraduate I have my master's I have my PhD and now I go to do my research and my lecturing and I love to to see and speak to people because usually those people are the most interested those people that have broken out of that mold Mm -hmm. and have found something you know so true to yourself and it's so clear that this is true to yourself which I think makes it even better um yeah okay what is neurosomatics coaching good luck (laughs) okay (laughs) all right Alex so what I do with this is like on discovery calls I explain it a couple of different ways and then I just see what sticks so maybe I'll just I'll just do that here um the first way to explain it is we could break down like the words of like neurosomatic and coaching and neuro is just referring to our nervous system Uh, my background is in neuroscience that's where I did my undergraduate degree. So I love understanding that. I love understanding how the brain works. But I think that, um, and I love to see that there's so much more discussion, especially on social media right now around neuroscience. But I think often people get stuck in just the brain and how the brain links to our thoughts and how our thoughts link to our behaviors. And the nervous system is so much more than that. Like it's, it's, it's the brain, it's the spinal cord, it connects to the rest of the body. The nervous system is in relationship with all your other organs, with your heart, with your lungs, with your gut, you know, your intestines. So I like to think about neuro in terms of the nervous system, but like the nervous system being part of the body as a whole. Then the word somatics. Somatics is like a big word and we hear it a lot all over social media. Um, And I think it's difficult to understand. I appreciate that um, it can confuse people because some people ask like, why don't you just say body? And you could, you could say body, but I think the reason why we use the word somatics is it because it captures a little bit more than just the word body. So soma, the root of the word soma, it refers to kind of your living body in its wholeness. So that includes like the physical body that we live in, the container, the shape of our body, but also our sensations, our physical sensations, our emotions, our internal narratives the stories we tell ourselves how we are in relationship with other people and 
our actions, what we do, what we don't do as well. And then all like considering that all of that exists, like we're not in isolation, like we exist in a social context, we exist in a physical context and in a spiritual context, or if that word doesn't resonate, maybe like a context of, of consciousness. And um, so that is what somatics tries to capture is that wholeness. Yeah. And then coaching is just about the journey of supporting someone through, through growth, through transformation, you know, going beyond, I think often a lot of therapy, not all, but a lot of therapy stops at the point of like insight, whereas coaching tries to push beyond that and like take that insight and turn it into change in some way. So mm. that's kind of neurosomatic coaching. But I think just to, to bring it together, what it's really about is supporting people to tap into their felt sense um, which is just a form of intelligence that we all have. We're all so dependent on our thoughts and on our mind and on our cognition. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But we also have other forms of intelligence in the body, which come in the form of the felt sense. And when I say the felt sense, I mean that like people have probably experienced, you know, when you have a gut instinct about something or uh, something makes your skin crawl or something gives you goosebumps or you feel like anxious before a talk, like that's all the felt sense. And so what we do with neurosomatic coaching, I'll just shorten that to somatics, is we help people tap into that. Um, in a way, I also like to describe it as, I can compare it to say something like cognitive behavioral therapy. And I'm not disincognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy it's a it's a great approach but cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy is focused on your cognition your thoughts and your behaviors your actions and what we do in somatics is we focus a little bit more on your sensory motor intelligence so that's your sensations that is an important part of the nervous system and that your movements that again another part of the nervous system so it's just bringing in that different sense of intelligence to the body what I think is super interesting too is that people in the fitness and wellness space especially people with dysfunctional eating habits or struggles with their body image we're we don't have an issue with our thinking as much as we can we can think you know we can overthink we can preoccupy our brain so much and of course that is a challenge in itself and a lot of the work we do at ETPHD is managing that preoccupation for sure um but most people who do struggle with these things do have this uh, kind of chronic disembodiment, do struggle with this idea that you can even be in your body. And I remember I I had an Instagram story once and I said, you know, something about tap, tapping into your body. And I said, out of interest, how many of you know what I mean when I say kind of tapping into your body? And the major majority of people were like, don't know what this is. I know what it is, but I can't do it. And because we've been so conditioned, I think, societally, especially in fitness, to move out of our bodies and onto food rules or onto values that have been kind of thrown at us by our parents or society, we are we just very much struggle to listen to our bodies or to be in our bodies. But also, there, I think there is an inherent fear also of being in our bodies. And that can be quite a sticking point when it comes to doing some of this work, at least with ETPHD clients in the past, of 
there's a slight reservation because what 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 does that even look like and if I start tapping into my body and I say tapping in in kind of colloquial terms here but like if I start living from the inside out maybe all of my good habits will disappear maybe all of my control will disappear maybe all of these uh, this structure that I've put on myself will disappear and then things will go to shit excuse the language um because I don't it's such a scary thing and do you experience yeah. that or do you have you work people who experience that feeling yeah I would say the vast majority of our clients it's like they're they're so intelligent you know and and all the people that we work with they're so clever they know how to rationalize they know how to be using their thoughts they know like what's the right thing to do and and they even know how to do it but they just are like what's the sticking point why can't I do it why can't I like transition this this into into action and I think that the other thing that you raised that I think is I really want to pick up on is people are scared to do this work and sometimes you know we do make it you know we've spoken about this as coaches that sometimes we're a bit guilty of making it seem scary and big work and and listen any sort of self-development work is a little bit scary and is big work but also like it can be fun and I think that's really important to point out like I was having a conversation with another somatic therapist during the week and she reminded me that like the antidote to trauma is pleasure like there's also space in this work to experience joy you know to um when you connect with yourself yes you sit with the difficult feelings and that can be uncomfortable but there are also opportunities to sit with the pleasant feelings and the pleasant emotions and how to learn to be in them too and I think that the people in this industry in this the health and fitness space and the clients that we work with they're so used to working really really hard and often a comfort zone is actually in a place of discomfort Mm -hmm. like they find comfort in the sadness in the fear in the anxiety like that's we kind of like to be there because it's familiar We're, we're, we're so programmed to feel that way so trying to push yourself out of that is scary and it's hard and to give yourself permission to feel joy and to feel pleasure um, it's another important part of the work that I think that this industry in particular could really, really benefit from. Mm, I agree. Okay, so I think I think we've kind of covered a lot of this, but in terms of the classic challenges that people often have when they come to work with ETPHD, so you know our clients tend to have some some form of dysfunctional eating, whether that be through yo-yo dieting or over-exercising or under-exercising or food preoccupation or struggles with their body image, or a lot of our clients are stuck in overdoing, sometimes underdoing. Um, how does this relate to the kind of neurosomatic work of how? I suppose not not on a cellular level, but like how does becoming more um, embodied and living in this way support those challenges? Mm-hmm. I think that people who have those challenges, like the, the, the biggest thing is they want to change them. They know that there's something about it that they're not happy with, that they don't feel in like alignment, they don't feel connection. They want to change. So that's the number one priority for supporting people to change. And what we're doing is we're just taking a different approach 
to supporting people to achieve that that change so like in somatics we call that embodied transformation so that's what we're striving for we're striving for that you you become that ideal version of yourself and you know that you've achieved that when that is actually happening when you are acting in alignment with that ideal version of yourself even when you're under pressure even when you're under stress so that you know if you're stuck in a cycle of binge eating and restriction and and the what you dream of what you want to get to as a person who isn't stuck in that cycle uh, we really need to get those new practices like embodied like we need to put in the reps it's exact it's like building a muscle in the gym you know you can't expect to just you know have big biceps one day you've got to like go to the gym you've got to put in the reps you've got to grow the muscle that's the same thing that we do in in somatics so the the very first place we start is in supporting people to develop somatic awareness and like people notice a change like some for some people it's from the first session they can be quite blown away by the change for some people it takes longer everyone's at a different stage in their journey um, but the very first thing we do is we work on building that awareness of like, what are the physical sensations that are present in my body? Because if we're teaching people, you know, we draw on um, kind of intuitive eating practices. And if we're teaching people how to be mindful and how to listen to their hunger and fullness cues, that might be completely new to some people. They don't eat, they can't even wrap their head around what that feels like. So it's about supporting people to kind of do that exploration within their own bodies of like okay sitting there what's what physical sensations am I noticing that are present and some people really struggle with that awareness of what's going on inside the body and that's okay there's other ways that we can build that awareness we can think about the body how it is in movement we can think about how you connect to senses like outside of the body you can think about how like bodies connect to other bodies but it's all this like body-based approach that's what we start we have to build this foundation of just awareness and um, because often we'll find it comes back to that a lot of somatic work and you see this again on social media all the time this link to the nervous system and this chronic stress response and often we find that people were stuck because we're so used to doing 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 that we're stuck in this chronic stress response and we kind of peek into fight or flight mode and then we crash down into exhaustion and we peak and we crash so what we're trying to do with with guiding people to build their somatic awareness is to rather than having these huge peaks and crashes we're looking at like creating a little bit of a flow a little bit of cycle like surfing the wave through those emotions that's the foundation of the work from there then we can take that and we can start to develop practices and people will notice like how it spills out into other parts of their life, like starting with the body. For example, I had a client um, this morning and she was like, we've been working together for a couple of months. We've been doing a lot of just like guided practices, getting used to her felt sense, feeling grounded, like getting familiar with when she's in that stress response and when she's not. Um, and she's like, she said, I'm ready. This session, I'm ready to start bringing in relationship with food stuff. And so we said, okay, let's talk about it. Let's, Let's start setting some like mindfulness around food. And as we were talking about it, I got her to check in. Like, hey, what's happening in your body right now? And she noticed like, oh, actually, as we talk about this, 
I've got this like restriction in my throat and it's actually quite overwhelming. So we had to sit with that and we had to like let that work through a little bit. So cognitively, she was so ready to go there with the healing relationship with food. But her body was telling a different story. Her body was like, actually, I'm sending off alarm bells as we talk about this, as we try to set these habits. And so it can be frustrating, especially when we're used to living in the mind so much to have to pull back and walk a little slower. I think you know, that's such a great example because a lot of people with dis- dysfunctional eating habits or struggle with their relationship with food will find themselves drawn to the kind of, okay, well, let's do some sort of meal plan or, or you know, flexible diet where we're still tracking. We're still, and you might tick boxes of, okay, well, I'm going to eat my meals mindfully and I'm going to exercise in this way. And it's very, again, very cognitive, very structured. And we've, we, you know, we've said this for years, these types of strategies are short-term strategies because they just kind of scratch the surface. And if that is, if that person who is obviously doing some incredible work with you, if they maybe went through another process that was much more cognitive, it might work for a couple of months, but ultimately if there's still that resistance there, that's not, they're not going to get that lifelong change. And that is one thing that is a core value of the ETHD team as a whole is that we don't want you to have to then go to another coach and then do something else. The idea of this work is that you are so intrinsically led um, that you don't need to then be searching for all of these external things anymore. And so, yes, it might be frustrating, but like you said, you will start to see hopefully some like some sort of awareness even after the first session. And it's it can be daunting, I think, with the ETPHC method as a whole of, well, do I need to work for 12 months to start seeing these changes? And and that's not the case. And everyone is different. But even just having an awareness of your hunger and fullness can reduce things like your emotional eating within weeks, not stop it, or might reduce your binge eating within weeks. Again, not stop it initially. But these changes can be, you know, within those first few weeks, it just takes obviously then on top of that longer time to, you know, eradicate things in an ideal world. Mm-hmm. yeah definitely I can even think of like a check-in from a client that I was responding to today and they were you know they're from their check-in I could tell they're they're in a very they're having a stressful week and they're in a bit of a stress response and they're there there's a little bit of a spiral there in terms of how they're um relating to their body and food but then the last question when we kind of ask like how connected are you feeling to your body today they were like oh like quite connected actually and like that's a win and that's like a really short-term win and it's so easy to focus on the other things the negative things the ways that they're struggling and they're they're present we're not trying to deny them but also like there's there's really uh, people notice really quite quick change in how they're just aware and feeling connected to their body and um what I love about somatics and what I love about the ETPHC method is it's a resilience-based approach like we're only going to meet you where you're at as a client we're never going to try push you beyond what you're capable of and like in a way you're in the driver's seat as the client and sometimes that's uncomfortable for people because they're like but I want you to tell me what to do we're like but my role if I tell you what to do all the time like you're going to become dependent on me and as you said what we're doing at the ETPHD method is we're trying to support people so that they have the tools to do this themselves and so what we're doing is holding the container is facilitating them to to lean on themselves 
Mm-hmm. Do you know what I think is so underrated? This is a little bit off topic, but what's so underrated is the ability to live life calmly. And you know, with HPHD mentoring, one of the one of the values that we have there with the coaches is that we want every coach to come at to understand that they can be successful and achieve whilst also feeling peaceful and calm and actually more successful and achieve more from this place of calm because you can be busy and stressed or you can be busy and calm you're going to be just as busy anyway and I think I think what is very underrated from all of this discussion we haven't even brought in is just to be able to eat a meal in with peace or to be able to just live your life with with peace despite of course me first of all recognizing the privilege that I have of not having dependence and living on my own and you know having been in a long distance relationship there's peace that comes with these things but I definitely think that is an underrated part of all of this and of course when we're more regulated and at peace our body image it naturally is improved because of various reasons um and our relationship with food is improved and yeah it's a hard one to it's a hard one to talk about because it's boring to say oh it's such a peace you can live a peaceful life but I think this is that's a huge win for this type of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I like even I had that experience myself and following you down this route. Like I have, you know, I see my own somatic psychotherapist, which I think is really important to name that, you know, even people who give support need support, that they're the people who need it the most. And I think a lot of our clients work in the space as coaches or as in the helping profession in some way, and they kind of feel like I shouldn't. Um, I shouldn't be the one who needs support. Um, but even I spoke about that in, in my own sessions over the past couple of months is I've had a career change. I've had a, a, like a, a new job and a new learning, a new rhythm and routine. And even to have that reminder of like, you can have those micro moments of, of downregulating, of like you say, of calmness. Like you can have a lot to do. You can be doing a lot, but you don't need to feel frazzled while you do it. You know, there is potential for you to be busy and calm and that seems wild to some people um, because we're just again it's the safety that we feel in the when I'm frazzled and I'm busy and I'm doing 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 like I'm distracted from feeling my emotions from knowing what's present and it's a safe place to be okay um do you have anything that you want to add on any of that stuff before we move into uh, neurosomatic um, process do you want to talk a little bit about what a, a session might actually look like what a, a coaching call might actually look like yeah 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 definitely so just to give people an example of what each each call is obviously very different and this is I hope people are getting a sense in this conversation of this is something that is so experiential that it's often like difficult to talk about so maybe some of what we've said resonates maybe some of it hasn't maybe there's just like a little snippet that you can cling to but what we would do in a call is that um, there's not a lot of talking. You know, sometimes if, if the client feels like they need to get something off their chest, we can we can have a chat. But generally we start with like a centering practice, which is like an actual, like I'll guide them through an actual practice where they can connect to their body in some way. There's loads of different ways we can do it. We can. It's about forming a relationship. It's about trying on a few different practices and asking the client, how did that land with you? How did that resonate? Like, what did you notice? And some people like will say, uh, Katie, I didn't really, like, I find I, my, I was distracted. I didn't really enjoy it. And we try something else the next time. Um, so it's about starting with a centering practice. 
And I say centering practice because what we want to do is like get the client in their body. And the important thing about that to notice is that centering is not the same as like grounding or like getting the client to be calm. That's not actually our intention. The intention is just to notice what's there. So like I tell people, you can be centered, but you can be angry. Like that's how you fight for something you care about. You know, you can be centered and and energized and buzzing and happy and or you can be centered and you can be calm and peaceful you can be centered in all your emotions but it's just that checking in with what's present and then i'll ask the, once we've done that practice i'll kind of ask them what's alive in them what wants to be known what did they notice in terms of physical sensations temperature and um, like shape in the body constriction expansion movement energy pressure uh, discomfort and then we'll kind of follow that with them so sometimes we'll identify like an emotion that's overwhelming and we'll have to like step back and I'll guide them through like feeling a place of safety in their body and cycling through that emotion or sometimes it's an uncomfortable feeling where there's not really an emotion present that they can label and we'll just work on sitting with that uncomfortable feeling like coming into it like very gently back and forth and then from there, we kind of follow the felt sense. Maybe we'll move into some actual practices. We always try to end the session with sort of having some form of an intention or an action out of it. I think that's like what makes it coaching. Um, but it's very much guided by their felt sense. So if they're in a state of, you know, if they end up being in a state of calmness um, and centeredness and there's not a lot present, we might be like, okay, this is a good place to explore like what sort of actions can we take around the goal that you set at the beginning? Um, and it's about supporting the client to kind of come up with it themselves. And I can kind of guide them. I can help them um, hone it down and, and send them, give them prompts and questions to reflect on that. Mm. But that's kind of, that's kind of how we cycle through. It's very, very much going. I, I hold the container for them to follow their felt sense mm. so that they can work towards their goal. Yeah. And, and I think this is the point too, is it is, it is still moving towards a, a very values aligned goal. Um, yeah. It's not just kind of sitting and being, and I think that's what some people, some people fear. And, you know, you do this work alongside the ETPHD methods to support relationships with food and body image and things like that. So it's a very holistic approach to this. And one thing again that we are really adamant on with ETPHD is is we are results driven and what I mean mm. by that is we're not we're not saying okay we are selling you fat loss although many people go through a fat loss journey for example right but but our our biggest failure would be that our clients don't leave from us having achieved what's the healthiest happiest you know goal for them and so just with this with this work and with all of the work we do at ETPG, you will see the results that are that are right for you. And I say what are right for you because sometimes people come in with a certain goal and they leave having changed their goal because they reach a place of body respect or you know they they are more aware of their values and things. So their goals can often change. Um, but you know everyone does leave when they're feeling like they've achieved the goals that they wanted to achieve. So I think that's important to kind of just take a note. Okay, 
So do you then want to start with, um, well, provide one of your sort of shorter sessions for people they can, yeah. if you want to try this, don't try this, you know, if you're driving or walking or save it. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Screenshot this, the, screenshot the space on the podcast at which you are now um, and then save it and you can do it when you're at home. And I think something like this is a really good time when you're maybe if you are feeling very stressed or, um, when else would you say like you know this type of practice when would be a good time for for people to kind of implement this for themselves do you know what actually the best piece of advice I give busy people who can't find the time is when you go to the bathroom nice when you go to the bathroom just that's when you take the minute whether it's sitting on the loo whether it's while you're washing your hands or whether it's just standing in a cubicle that's a really good moment in the day um, to do it or if you're you know you're working from home when you're making your cup of tea while you're waiting for the kettle to boil like it's about these practices are about doing them in a time that works for you because if I give you a practice that's like 20 minutes and you have to carve out some time and space and privacy to do this like people aren't going to do that so you know when your alarm goes off in the morning can you do it for a couple of minutes or when you jump into bed at night before you fall asleep when you go to the bathroom when you're waiting for your cup of tea uh, some of the practices you can actually do like while you're out for a walk and um, while you're moving and um, you know you're sitting in a meeting and you might just uh, there might be a couple of minutes where you can kind of just check with yourself you don't have to zone out totally but you can just be like okay where am I at in my body right now what's happening and it's just getting those like tiny little reps in mm. agree okay so screenshot this yeah. t- this point and then um, I'm going to just leave it to you okay. uh, to go for it. All right. Okay. So this is just going to be five minute practice. We're just starting really small. If you're listening on double time, you can you can bring the bring it back to normal speed. And just start by getting present in the body. If it helps you, you can close the eyes. If not, you can just take a soft gaze. The most important thing about these practices is choosing. Okay, so the power is in what you choose to do. It's in listening to your body. There may be, there might be some parts that you don't like. Your body is letting you know this isn't okay and you respect that, you listen to that. As we're dropping into the body now, just notice what's there. Imagine you're you're an explorer, you're going around your body, you've got your magnifying glass, getting curious. What are the physical sensations? What are the, is the temperature? Are you hot or cold anywhere of the body? Do you notice alivement? like aliveness in the body, any sort of sense of energy. Maybe there's shape, maybe there's constriction somewhere, like a tightness, like a holding on. Do you feel weight? Do you feel your hips sinking into the chair, your feet on the ground? Just noticing the physical sensations. And if your mind is jumping in here with thoughts, 
can just let it be. We're not trying to suppress it. We're just coming back into the body, coming back, getting curious about the physical sensations. You might notice your breath is deepening here. You might notice a change in your heart rate. And then when you're ready, I want you to blink open your eyes and just look at your hands. Okay, we did this practice with our ET PhD clients on the webinar, but see if you can look at your hands and imagine that you're in your head and you're looking at your hands as if they're kind of alien to you, as if they're not a part of you. You can kind of wiggle them, you can kind of marvel at them, how strange they are. Maybe flip them over, look at the back of them. kind of getting curious about whether you feel like you're controlling them as they move or whether you feel like they're just moving on their own. And then I want you to send your awareness, send yourself from your head into your hands. If it helps you, you can close the eyes here. So you're in your hands now. What do you notice? Any temperature. Maybe they feel tired. Maybe as you move them, you feel some relief of tension. Maybe you want to constrict them. Just noticing. And then if it's comfortable for you, an invitation to place one of your hands on your chest. Staying with that awareness in your hand, can you feel your heart beating? Can you feel the skin of your chest or the fabric of your clothes? Can you notice that sensation, that movement? And then see if you can send your awareness now into your chest and see what it feels like to feel your hand on your chest. Maybe there's a sense of pressure, of temperature. See if you can just swap back and forth, being in your hand, feeling your chest, and then being in your chest, feeling your hand. And then when you're ready, you can just drop your hand down, just coming out of the body now. Before you come back to the screen or you get back into whatever you were doing, you just take a second to orient yourself in the room. Just letting your nervous system know that it's safe so you can look around all four walls of the room that you're in, all the way over your shoulder to the back wall on one side, and then all the way over to the other side. Looking up to the container of the ceiling or the sky if you're outdoors down to the floor or the ground beneath your feet. Just having a little wiggle, a little movement of your body coming out of the body. And then just noticing what's present for you right now. What, 
what mood did that produce? What emotions are you noticing are there? And if you didn't connect to anything, that's okay. If this was a very new practice to you, it's okay. It's just about putting in the time, finding something that works for you. That's it. Fabulous. Thank you so much. I almost think that the hand awareness one is wild. It, it doesn't matter how many times you do something along those lines. I remember doing one years ago and it was like, I think it was just the very basic of just feeling sensations in your fingers. What does it feel like to have hands? Like, oh, mm-hmm. that's a really great question. And then all of the awareness of hands in space. And I love that where you kind of look at your hand like a stranger, your hands like a stranger. Like, oh my God, that's fabulous. I know. Um, yeah it's that it's that feeling of like you know you're in your head you're still in your body you're in your hands you're still in your body but they feel so different yeah okay well fabulous so you also have on your on katie's instagram page katie underscore ATPHD coaching she also has a link to um some free resources that that, that um, she's done so i highly recommend that you go and follow katie's page she's got um tons of i mean obviously tons of great content on there but especially as well on um the link on her bio you will get um some free stuff um yeah. anything you want to add before we finish up no that's everything just uh yeah really looking forward to it. oh actually if anyone listening if they want to give us feedback if they want to let us know like what more what other things around somatics they'd like to hear from then we can definitely do some future podcasts or plan some webinars and things like that so please let us know what you'd like to know more about for sure thank you so much thank you katie thank you bye bye thanks so much for listening i hope you enjoyed it and as always if you did please do feel free to like share subscribe and review and if you would like to chat to me then you can find details of my instagram in the show notes